sounded like you mean it. Who uh, is the person uh, who ever lived in all time who made the greatest impact uh, in our world, in human history? A few years ago, uh, one of the fathers in our church uh, decided to uh, kind of preview the history book of uh, one of their high school students. And they went through the book, and they found some interesting stuff. In this history book, uh, there was one page about George Washington. There were four pages of pictures of Marilyn Monroe and no mention of Jesus Christ. And who has impacted the world more than this one man? No one. He's the center point of history. One third of the world, one out of every three people that live in the world, uh, follow the faith of Christianity. There are just an unimaginable number of hospitals and schools and clinics and uh, helps uh, for people around the world built by Christians. Far and away more than any other faith in the world. Who is the person who has impacted human history more than this one man, Jesus Christ? But yet our culture is, is reluctant to talk about him, even say his name, to give him all the honor that he justly deserves. This morning we're starting a study of the gospel by Mark. And I would ask this question because I think it's a question that he would ask of us. Is Jesus worthy? Is he worthy of all this that's been done in his name? Is he worthy of all the churches and schools and hospitals and clinics and helps for people that are around the world for the sake of people? Is he worthy of our allegiance? Is he worthy of our time? Is he worthy of us being here today, of us setting aside today? Is he worthy of this uh, this facility that we have? Is he worthy of all the time that we spend in ministry? Is he worthy of the money that we give to extend his kingdom? Is he worthy? Well, the gospel my Mark answers that question. He is not only worthy of all the honor that's given to him here on earth and in history. He is worthy eternally. He is worthy infinitely. And so for the next uh, 16 weeks, we're going to go through the, the gospel by Mark, uh, chapter by chapter. And I want to tell you that the gospel by Mark, there are four gospels, four stories about the life and ministry of Jesus. Mark is the shortest one. It's also the fastest one. He just, Mark just mentions events and, and uh, details quickly. And you would have liked Mark to be your pastor. His sermons were short. He, and the, just look, if you have your Bible, just look and 
you can see that in the first 20 verses, he covers the life and ministry of John the Baptist, Jesus' baptism, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, and Jesus calling his first disciples. Just 20 verses. Now, why did he cover those so quickly? Because Mark wants to get right to the point that Jesus is worthy. And he's worthy because he's amazing. And he's worthy of our amazement. He's not only worthy of our time. He's not only worthy of our devotion. He's not only worthy of our service. He's not only worthy of our prayers. He's not only worthy of our giving. He is worthy of our amazement. Here is this man who was truly the son of God. And, and there's no amount of worship or passion or amazement that could truly do him justice. He is amazing. Now we're going to skip over those 20 verses in the study. We obviously can't go verse by verse everything in, the, in, in 16 weeks. We're going to jump to the event starting at verse 23. And in verse 23, excuse me, verse 21, uh, it tells us that Jesus was speaking in the Alliance Church in Capernaum one morning, one Sunday morning, okay? And something totally amazing happened. Verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were what? They were what? And friend, I'm just going to tell you right up front today. Now, this is not the end of the sermon. Don't get your hopes up. But I'm just going to tell you right up front here that if we don't leave today amazed, we weren't listening. We didn't get it. We didn't really open up our heart and life to the Lord and all that he wants to say to us. The people who heard Jesus were amazed and we're going to hear from him today also through his word the people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority he wasn't like the teachers of the law that they had heard jesus amazed people his words were powerful they were full of authority and truth and, and those, those people came into the synagogue that day probably expecting, you know, another boring sermon, you know, just sit through this, okay, get it done here. No, they were amazed. And they were even more amazed because, after all, Jesus was just a carpenter. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't one of the renowned rabbis of his day. He was just a carpenter. He had rough hands and sunburned skin. But he amazed his followers. They'd heard those learned rabbis and scholars who knew a lot about God. He knew God. He knew God like a child knows his father. Because indeed, God was his father. His words were simple. But they were straightforward. They were direct. And when the people heard Jesus they knew they were hearing from God himself. I've heard a lot of people say to me, well, you know, I've never heard God speak to me. Friend, God speaks. He's a speaking God. God has spoken to you. He's spoken to you through his word. Okay, maybe you haven't heard audible voice from God. I haven't. Okay. I've heard him speak. I've heard him speak through his word to us. 
He speaks through his Holy Spirit. Hey, God has spoken to you. You've been faced with a decision, and you knew what was right, and you knew what was wrong. God was speaking to you. God was trying to give you direction because he loves you. He doesn't want you to suffer the consequences of wrong decisions. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And if we don't hear God speaking, it's because we don't want to. Because if anybody wants to hear God, he's ready. And if we as Christians aren't hearing God, it's probably for us we're too busy. We're too busy to, to spend time listening, to open him his word, to hawk, talk to him in prayer. And friend, how, how terrible that is because Jesus is amazing. And when you listen to him, when you read his word, when you hear his word, you, you, you're hearing from God, a God who loves you, a God who created you, a God who wants the best for you. So the people were amazed. Let's go on, verse 23, suddenly. A man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Jesus, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth, he said. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Whoa, I just want to say that's never happened to me. And I just want to be honest and say I'm glad. Okay? I mean, can you imagine that? I can't imagine what I would do. Well, what did Jesus do? Verse 25. Jesus reprimanded him be quiet come out of the man he ordered and at that the evil spirit screamed he threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him that evil spirit did not want to come out he had a hold of that person but he had no choice because the Son of God had spoken. He had to come out. He held on for dear life or death, I guess it is. And that's why the man went into a convulsion. But he was no match for the power of the Son of God. And that demon came out. This man was freed. He was delivered. Verse 27. What gripped the audience? Amazement. Amazement gripped the audience. Husbands woke up without their wives poking them in there with their elbow. People stopped texting, surfing the web when this happened. What'd they do? They began discussing. Did you see what did you see that? Did you see what Jesus did? What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. This is real. This is from God. Even evil spirits obey his orders. And the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the country as fast as it could. Amazement. Amazing. You know, most of us would like to live an amazing life. We'd like to do something that matters. Something that's good, 
something that's important, something that helps people, something that pleases God, something that matters for eternity, something that helps us, helps our family, helps a lot of people. We'd like to do amazing things, all right? Well, friend, I want to say to you that your life, my life, our life can get amazing. I want to say to you that our church can get amazing too. Not just, you know, some hour where you sit and look at your watch every now and then and think about supper or the game or whatever. But where it's amazing. Our life and our church, they get amazing. When we get in amazed at Jesus, okay? And I think Mark points out three things here today about how, to, how our life and how, how our church gets amazing. Number one, that happens when we listen to Jesus. Now, I listen to my wife. Unfortunately, sometimes I'm also looking at the TV or in my computer. And Donna said, did you hear me? And, you know, most of us, our brain is, is good enough. Then even when we really aren't listening, we, we can remember two or three words they said, right? Uh, yeah, you were talking about the, uh, your orchid plant there. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, I was listening. When I was a kid... Every once in a while, my father would look at me and say, Ronnie, listen. And I did. Because when he said, listen, he meant hear. He meant, you know, listen to what I'm going to say. But he meant something else. You know what he meant? You better do it. Life gets amazing. Church gets amazing when we listen. When we hear it. But we do it. This is the word of the Son of God. This is the best thing I could possibly do. Listen. Now, I read verse 23 this week, and I've read it hundreds of times in my life. I saw something I never saw before. Verse 23 says, a man in the synagogue was possessed by an evil spirit. Now, when we think of an evil spirit, when we think of someone that's possessed by an evil spirit, or demon-possessed, we might say, what do we think of? We think of someone that looks deranged. I mean, their hair isn't combed, their clothes are dirty and tattered, they are evil looking, their eyes are bulging, they're throwing people across the room, you know, slamming against the wall, right? That's, that's what we think of when we think of a person possessed by an evil spirit. Now, just want to point out something. That it says evil spirit. A man was possessed by an evil spirit. But that, that word evil, it's the word unclean. 
this man had an unclean spirit. And Christians have debated, you know, Christians debate, you know, whether can a person, can a Christian be possessed by an evil spirit? Okay. All I'm going to say is, I believe we Christians can have unclean spirits in us. This man did. He was in the synagogue. It doesn't mean he walked in that morning. It meant he was a member of it. He was a member in good standing. He attended every Sabbath. He gave tithes and offerings. He served. Maybe he was on the government. Maybe he was the treasurer. I don't know. This man had a sound theology. He said, Jesus, you're the Holy One of Israel. He knew. But he had an unclean spirit. Can God's people have unclean spirits? I think so. And by an unclean spirit, I mean this. Yes, we can have an unclean spirit of pride. We all have elements of pride in our life. And in the Old Testament, it says that pride is one of the seven abominations that God hates. That's, a, that's an unclean spirit. We can have pride, thinking of ourselves first. Self-centeredness. <laughs> hey, I have trouble with self-centeredness. Materialism. Hey, I struggle with that. Thinking about possessions more than things that really matter. Unforgiveness. Is there somebody in your life you really having a hard time forgiving? In fact, you can't. You, you excuse me. You, you won't. You haven't forgiven. That's that's an unclean spirit in us. And why I want to point this out is, you know, I there can be evil and an evil spirit, an unclean spirit in us, because Jesus in the Lord's prayer said that we should pray, deliver us from. Well, why would Jesus tell us <laughs> to pray that if there was just no evil in us? When we let God, when we listen to Jesus, because you know what? Jesus says to us, not a condemning voice, not a damning voice, he says to us, let me Take that unclean spirit out of you that causes so much problem and so much turmoil in your life and keeps you from all that God wants you to have. Life gets amazing. Life gets amazing. Church gets amazing when we really listen to Jesus. When we let him deliver us from evil. And again, you know, hey, somebody said, are you an evil person? I said, well, no. Is there evil in you? No, oh, no, no, you know. Well, again, no, Jesus told us to pray. Deliver us from evil. So would you acknowledge that, yeah, there, is, there are things in my life that God wants to deliver me of, whether it's pride or self-centeredness or unforgiveness or whatever it might be. And friend, when we do that, what does Jesus do? What he did to this man, we get grace. You know what grace is? It's the undeserved mercy and forgiveness of God. God says, okay, I forgive you. I will never hold that against you. And God remembers it no more. We get grace. We don't deserve it. We get grace. We get comfort from that. Now I'm right with God. I remember 
Oh, many times in, in, in my life. When I, when I confessed the sin, when I got right with God, man, the peace that just floods your life, the comfort that you, I'm right with God. He's going to help me. He loves me. We get comfort. We get cleansed. You see, something that's unclean pollutes and poisons our life. We get cleansed of that, and we get changed. And, you know, let's, let's face it, a lot of us, we've reached the point in our life where we don't want to change anymore. Change is hard. Change, but we, one of our core values here that's in the bulletin most every week, change equals growth. We can't grow without change. And friend, 10,000 churches die every year in the United States because of what? They won't change. Churches die because many members would rather die than change. But these are changes that God wants to bring that our life that will make our life amazing. And when we let Jesus deliver us from evil, we get the grace and the comfort and the cleansing and the change that is so, 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 so amazing for us. And number three, our life and our church get amazing when we let Jesus into our heart, personally and individually. And we, when we let him into this house, okay, uh, we, we sometimes call, we call this God's house, okay? Well, God doesn't live in a building. But I like that. We, this is God's house. This is where God's children assemble. God's presence is here when we come. This is a family gathering in the house of the Lord. And our life gets amazing when, when we let Jesus into our heart. And see, that's where it starts. See, church is never going to become more to us than what we let it be in our own lives. But life gets amazing when we let Jesus into our heart. And we let him into our church to be Lord of all. And we let Jesus into our heart, this house, by God's word. That's why we have a sermon. Not because I'm a great teacher. We have a sermon because this is the word of God. And when we read it, when we study it, when we understand it, when we compare scriptures, oh, we grow and God speaks to us. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verses 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God. It says, breathed by God, literally. It comes from God. It's, it's his word. And it's, and it's what? It's useful. It's profitable, some translations say, to teach us what's true. Don't you want to know what's true and what's not? Because you hear as much of what's not true as you do of what is true. Maybe more. There's so many untruths that you hear and can be deceived by we need to know what's true God's word teaches us what's true God's word makes us realize what's wrong in our lives it's a human tendency not to want to know what's wrong in our life I don't go like like to go to the doctor they might tell me something's wrong sometimes we don't want to talk to God man finding out what's wrong in us is the best thing that we can hear it corrects us then when we're wrong it, it shows us the way it teaches us to do what's right and God uses his word to prepare us to equip us 
to enable us to do every good and every amazing work because the work of Jesus is amazing. And Jesus isn't here anymore in the body. Jesus doesn't have physical hands anymore. Well, no, I'm sorry, that's not right. He has yours. Your hands, my hands, they're the physical hands of Jesus. Our eyes, our feet, we're the body of Christ here on earth. He wants to continue doing, Jesus will continue doing amazing things. Do you want him to do them through you, through me, through this church? God's word is not some old-fashioned book of meaningless religious rituals. It's the manufacturer's manual. In your glove box in your car, there's a manufacturer's manual, your you're, uh, you don't read it, but you hope, you're, uh, you hope your mechanic does. That when you take it in and it's not working, that he goes to the manual on his computer screen and finds out what the setting should be. Well, friend, your manufacturer wrote this love letter to you to let you know what settings are going to work best in your life, what is how you can perform at peak performance. And when we understand God's word, that it's for us, it's, that it's our maker's manual, that it's a love story, it's lo- a love letter to us. God loves us so much. And, and what he told us to do is because of his love. When we understand that, when we, when we regard this book as amazing because it's the word of the Lord to us, then it comes alive. And it comes alive. I've heard uh, new Christians say, you know, I, I uh, never read the Bible. Well, I mean, I read a little bit every now. I couldn't understand it. And then I met Jesus, and then I started reading the Bible. It came alive to me. And then I understood it. And then it was amazing. And we realize God's love for us through his word. We come alive. We hear from God. We get wisdom. We need wisdom. We've got to make right decisions. God wants us to. We get wisdom. We get revelations. God tells us things that we could never discover for ourselves. That no one else could ever teach us. But we hear from the Lord. We come alive. We live an abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Amazingly. Same thing. Jesus wants you to live an amazing life. We become authentic. We become real. We don't have to put up a front. We don't try to hide who we are because God made us who we are. It's amazing. And we live loving God, loving others. All that as we let Jesus come into our heart and into this house. Second, we do that by worshiping and by fellowshipping with the body of Christ. And, you know, I, uh, many people don't think that coming to church uh, is important. People don't think that, you know, coming, that the, the, the family of God assembling and reading the Bible together, praying together, fellowshipping together, encouraging each other, that, you know, no, it's just, you know, an hour and... You know, and it's, 
Sometimes there'll be something interesting said, but whatever. And we don't really think we really need church. God says we do. God says there's something happens that happens in our lives individually, in our lives corporately, when we don't neglect meeting together. When we come together to honor God, to hear his word, to pray, and when we go out to do his will. But, you know, most people come to church if they don't have something else to do. What could be more important to do than meeting with God? And life and church gets amazing when we let Jesus do all he wants to do in our life. And third, how do we let Jesus into our heart and into this house? By being set free. Jesus said, whoever lets the Son set him free is free indeed. Let's go back to this man. Out of whom Jesus cast this unclean spirit. Aren't you a little shocked? that a regular attender member in the synagogue had an unclean evil spirit? I am. I had never seen that before. When I think of man, you know, who has an unclean spirit, possessed by a spirit, that spirit, that that's somebody out in the wilderness somewhere that, you know, broke chains and ran away and is naked and, and can't be controlled and is deranged. That wasn't this man. And you see, I think Mark included this story in his gospel because he wants you and me to understand that Satan wants every one of us to be enslaved. Satan wants every one of us to be in bondage to some sin in our life because that'll keep us down. That'll keep us from really loving Jesus and experiencing all that we want to experience in our life. Satan wants to take every person God ever created away from God, especially those who are in church. Satan seduces us with pleasures, uh, material things, uh, whatever it might be. Things that bring short-term pleasure, but eternal pain and Jesus came to set us free from those things and I want you to notice it doesn't say that the man was evil does it? it said that the spirit in him was evil and Jesus cast out that evil spirit and set him free that man came to church as a slave in bondage to sin and Jesus set him free he delivered him from something that could destroy him. And just one more thing about Mark, including this story. We can be absolutely sure that Mark was not pointing a finger at this man, condemning this man as someone who was terrible. Because Mark had his own sin, didn't he? We read in Acts about Mark. A young believer who was chosen by Paul and Barnabas to go on a missionary journey with them. He was committed to Jesus. He wanted to serve Jesus. 
but something happened. We don't know what. Maybe somebody said something to him and he got offended. Maybe he just got discouraged. Maybe he got tired. Maybe he thought this isn't worth it. We don't know. But he deserted Paul and Barnabas on the missionary journey. But God didn't give up on Mark. And God brought him back. And he regained his love and his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He became so filled and so energized by his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that he rejoined missionaries in the task of sharing the gospel around the world. And he came, Mark came to the point where he was so excited about Jesus Christ that God the Father chose him to write one of the four gospels. So Mark is not condemning. Mark included this story because he, in many senses, was like that man. Something unclean in his life took him away from the Lord, but he came back. Friend, something unclean can take us away from Jesus. I'm not talking about our salvation, okay, but I'm talking about our love and our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross to save us from the eternal penalty of sin. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When we stand before God, he's not going to have a list of all our sins. No, they're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross to set us free from the eternal penalty of sin, but friend, Jesus wants to set us free from the daily power of sin over our lives because he wants us to live amazing lives. And he wants our church to be amazing as well. And I love this story here. I love what Mark is trying to tell us. That people, good people, church-going people, people who do their best to try to obey God's word and, and, and observe the the rituals that God gives to us. But that does not make us immune from an unclean spirit in us, like pride, like self-centeredness, like materialism, like gossip, like lust. I mean, you could give me a lot more things that you know or just really can get a hold of our lives. Jesus came to deliver us. Jesus can, and he wants to deliver so that we can live an amazing life. Why? Because he's amazing. And because he is worthy of our amazement. He's worthy of our everything. When you stand before God, you will not neglect one minute that you spent in worship with the body of Christ. You will not neglect or regret one time, one act of service, any act of service that was given to the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not regret anything that you gave to him. We will only regret what we didn't. Because he's worthy of everything. He's amazing. And he wants to live his life in us so that our life in our church is amazing also. Would you bow with me? Oh, God, would you help me to 
fall in love with Jesus again and again and again and again. Would you help me to fall in love with Jesus more than ever have been before? Would you help me to be amazed by him? Would you help us all, God? Your son is amazing. He deserves our all. And Father, I pray that you will give him our all. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, some of you here today, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're not following Jesus. We're so glad you came today and hope you felt welcome. And I hope you've heard from God, because this is his word. This is what God said. This is God's son. He rose from the dead and proved that he was the son of God. And if you've never invited him in to be your savior and your Lord, that's why God brought you here today, because he loves you so much. And open up your life to him now. Because friends, church, Jesus is amazing, and he wants to live his amazing life in us so that our life matters, so that it has meaning. And Father, I know that you will help us do that as we trust in you. Lord, as we go through the life of Jesus as recorded by Mark, help us to be amazed, so, so amazed that it, that it changes us that it changes what we talk about, changes what we do, changes how we feel, changes what we give ourselves to, changes everything. Because Jesus changed everything. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. I hope that, uh, that you've heard from God uh, through his word. That's, that's amazing. If you need prayer, if you want encouragement or anything, there's a, there's a ministry team up here every Sunday, and they'd be glad to talk or pray with you if you would like that. We do have classes afterwards. They're worthwhile. It's a good time to grow, all right, as we talk about God's Word and how to live that out in our lives.